Good morning to you. Today we start an eight-part series called simply Questions. Did you know it's okay to have questions? In fact, it's not just okay, it's actually good. It's uh, healthy and, uh, and it's part of our Christian walk, uh, questions. Here are some of the topics that we'll cover. Why sex belongs only within marriage. That's next week. And we have a special guest coming, the president of Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. His special area of uh, uh, academics is ethics, especially sexual ethics, and so we'll welcome a special guest next week. The age-old question, the problem of evil and suffering. The exclusivity of Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why did he say that? That doesn't go down very well in our culture today. We like to say many paths. But here's Jesus' word. Science and the Bible. The issue of homosexuality, same-sex sexual activity. What's the Bible say about that? Islam, a growing uh, people and force in our world. And then that takes us all the way up to Easter and we talk about the resurrection. Did Jesus actually bodily rise? And today, the Bible. It's really the foundation for all those other questions, isn't it? Why do we believe the Bible is the word of God? Let me see if I can introduce this topic this foundational topic, by calling to your attention Vince Lombardi, the legendary coach of the Green Bay Packers back in, what, 1960s? Lombardi and the Packers had a disappointing season. Uh, They weren't used to disappointing seasons, but it was a lousy season. So the next year at training camp, you know, before the season opened, He began with the basics, and I mean basics. Lombardi took a football, and he said, Gentlemen, this is a football. (laughs) These are professional football players. This is a football. If someone hands it to you, run with it. If someone throws it, you see it in the air, catch it. (laughs) If you see it on the ground, Pick it up. (laughs) He came back to the basics, didn't he? Crossbridge, this is a Bible. If someone hands it to you, run with it. If you see it in the air, catch it. (laughs) If you see it on the ground, pick it up. Always hang on to this book. The Word of God. Why do we believe it is the Word of God? What's the uh, the evidence? What are the lines of reasoning that take us to that conclusion? Well, it is a remarkable book by all accounts. The best-selling book in the history of the world. The word Bible comes from the Greek word biblos, just simply meaning book. Most common in early Christianity, it was called scripture. 
In the Bible itself, Jesus and others referred to it as holy writings and the word of God. Mark chapter 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Romans chapter 3, the word of God. And the question we're asking is why? Or what's the evidence? What's the, the rationale for putting all our faith and trust in this book that we call the word of God? A lot of different opinions about the Bible. Yeah, I don't need to tell you that, right? Um, a number of years ago, uh, my wife and I were working at a Christian college and uh, she was discussing something with her co-workers. It was a, an issue of sexual ethics. It was actually about homosexuality. And uh, she said something, and uh, one of her co-workers said, oh, well, hmm, that's just Paul. What did she mean by that? Well, we're not sure, but I think she meant apparently that some parts of the Bible are the word of God and trustworthy and authoritative, and other parts of the Bible, man, it's just Paul. We no longer believe, we no longer go there. And yet at this church, we say it is the word of God. God breathed, God inspired what we're talking about is the doctrine of inspiration. And you might think of this as different uh, usages of that term, inspiration. On the, sort of on a bottom level, people say, we call it natural inspiration, sort of like Shakespeare, you know, great literature. It's inspired, meaning great insight. Uh, you know, it, it can really give you a lot of wisdom, and that's one kind of inspiration, and some theologians mean that when they say the Bible's inspired. They mean it's, a, it's an important book, a great book. A level higher than that might be partial inspiration, meaning that it is true and authoritative in matters of faith, but not in matters of sexual ethics or psychology or history or you know, all that kind of stuff. So parts, maybe even the majority is inspired. It's from God, but... Not everything. And then a top level would be what we might call full inspiration. It is accurate and authoritative in all that it, in, in all matters. Which of those three does uh, Crossbridge hold? You can talk to me, it's okay. Which of those three is our position here? Yeah, the top one. Here's a statement from the, uh, the doctrinal statement. It's on the website. I, that's where I found it uh, for Crossbridge. It's number one in a series of 10 statements. Uh, scripture consisting of 66 books in the Old and New Testaments is the only divine, divinely inspired and infallible word of God. That's what it says. That's the position of this church. And you have some verses that uh, lead us to that conclusion. So, we are examining this doctrine of inspiration. Why do we believe the Bible is the word of God? So let me uh, give you three or four lines of uh, evidence and reasoning that lead us there. Number one, the Bible claims to be the word of God. Now, that doesn't seal the deal, and we'll, we'll come back to that in just a minute. But first of all, let's just, let's just be fair and handle this with open hands and even-handedly. It claims to be the Word of God. 
And we have verses like this. All scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Somebody has said it is useful for teaching or doctrine. It shows us what is right. It is useful for rebuking. It shows us where we are not right. (laughs) It is useful for correcting how to get right. (laughs) It is useful for training how to stay right. But I want to zero in on the uh, the highlighted uh, phrase there, God breathed. This is a very powerful image but it comes to us in a shorthand kind of way. But it says to us, all scripture comes from the being, the heart, the the person of God. It's a powerful image. You remember, it's probably alluding to the creation story. Remember Adam and Eve? God breathed into Adam life. It's an image in the Bible. The the breath of God is an image which which talks about his creative power, his control, his authority, his infusing with himself as he created Adam in his image, as he breathed the word of God. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. So it's a powerful, rich image. The Bible, all scripture, is God-breathed. Here's another key verse as we we examine the Bible's teaching, uh, 2 Peter 1. Prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It's a different image, but it also has the idea of wind or breath. The idea is uh, the wind in the sails of a sailboat. They They were carried along. The Holy Spirit was guiding, directing, empowering. As these uh, these people, uh, the prophets, you know, uh, uh, Isaiah and all these guys, as they as they were writing this word and speaking this word, the wind in their sails. And so we take verses like this and we examine them and we say, well, is it true? Is this book, this Biblos, divinely inspired? Does it come, is it the breath of God? Has he controlled, guided uh, the wind in the sails, these human authors? And that is our first line of reasoning that leads us to the conclusion the Bible's the word of God. But somebody says, isn't that circular reasoning? Crossbridge is very sharp. I anticipate this question. And you are right that it's circular. You know what I'm saying? I'm arguing the position that the Bible's the word of God, and I'm using the Bible to prove the Bible, and that's uh, arguing in a circle. It's like my saying, I am the strongest man in the world. And you say, any evidence? Like any? Yes, I say so. <laughs> okay, any other evidence? <laughs> okay, that, you're very sharp. That's good. And yes, this is circular reason, but let me respond. First response a witness is allowed 
to present his or her own testimony. If we accuse a person of committing murder, if we accuse uh, Miss Scarlet and put her in the, the witness stand, she's allowed to give her own testimony. Now, we need other, other witnesses and, and so forth, but she's allowed to speak for herself. And in the same way, these authors, these human authors under the inspiration of the Spirit are saying, it's from God. It's God's word. Okay? We need other witnesses, though, don't we? So what other lines of reasoning uh, suggest uh, the inspiration of the Bible? One would be the character of the Bible. And here's what I mean by that. It is a remarkable book. It was written over the space of about 1,500 years by about 40 different authors, and yet it's one story, one book, one revelation, one message. Well, how did that happen? 1,500 years, various continents, 40 authors. They didn't even know each other, most of them. And yet, there's a through line. Do you know that term from uh, theater, from drama? There's one action, one thought, one story, a through line, and all these uh, various pieces fit together, but it's, it really looks like it came from one person. One mind, the wind in the sails, guiding, directing. 1,500 years, 40 different authors. Here's an analogy. Let's say... Um, Let's say that we chose 40 people from Lexington over the space of 100 years, not even 1,500 years, but just 100 years. And we commissioned these 40 people to write one story. A pretty complicated story. Let's call our story, How God Saves Humanity. What do you think we'd come up with at the end of a hundred years? I mean, one person's, you know, one person's an atheist and, and his or her part of the story says, well, there is no God. And another person, you know, is a member of such and such a religion. No, God, God saves humanity. By, and another person says, well, you've got to be good and it's a good works that God saves. You, I don't, you'd come up with a jumble. Okay. 1,500 years, 40 authors, various continents. It, re- it really hangs together. How did that happen? You've got to ask, and you you have to have a theory. How did that happen? Our theory is, (sighs) yes, there were small A authors. There's Luke, there's Isaiah, there's Paul, there's Moses. It really looks like some big A author was inspiring, guiding the wind in the sails. A second uh, witness to bring to the witness stand. <coughs> Fulfilled prophecy. This is a big topic. We need a whole message just on this. Books have been written just on this topic. But listen, you guys, it is remarkable that especially these Old Testament people, a thousand years before, and then their, their prophecy came true, especially the prophecies dealing with Christ very specific, where he would be born, the circumstances of his death. There's no way they could have known those things. And yet, it looks like somebody 
standing outside of time, knowing the past, what we call the past, the present, and the future, somebody outside of time is inspiring the wind in their sails to them to write certain things a thousand years later. Hundreds and hundreds of prophecies. And so we have to ask ourselves, well, how did that happen? What's your theory for how this happens? It looks like God inspired and was guiding these authors. Here's another uh, argument, another uh, a witness for this stand. Our understanding of God. This is a theological argument. Here's what I mean. We believe that God is the kind of person who communicates. Another way to say that is God is love. He is a river of grace overflowing its banks, catching up his creation into this, this baptism of love. He is the type of person that isn't isolated, that isn't impersonal, that isn't just like a force, sort of like Star Wars, may the force be with you. Just, just you know, it's like a force, you know. No, we say he's the kind of person that wants to be known and wants to communicate his love to us. And so we're not at all surprised that he would communicate himself uh, in written form and other ways too, but in, in this written document. So the character of God, our understanding of God, leads us to conclude he has communicated with us. It, it makes sense. It fits together. And he is well able, this God, to preserve his human authors, Isaiah and all these guys, from error. He's well able to do that. Our understanding of God is, is love and powerful. The wind in their sails. And then a final uh, witness I'd like to bring to the stand is Jesus' own trust in the Bible. This may be actually the number one argument, because if Jesus felt it was the word of God, then we're disciples of Jesus, so we, we walk in his steps. He quoted the Bible very often, and he attributed the Bible, for him the Old Testament, to God. I'm going to give you one example. Just, there's many of these. There's one example. This is Mark chapter 12, verse 36. So Jesus is going to quote the Old Testament. He's going to quote Psalm 110. And here's how he says it. David himself, Psalm 110, speaking by the Holy Spirit, declared, and then he goes on and quotes the, the actual psalm. David himself, human author, little a author, David, Psalm 110, speaking by Wind in the sails, speaking by the Holy Spirit, says such and such. Jesus' own attitude, you know, with, with those three levels of inspiration, he seems to be a top guy, you know, a full inspiration. And so his own attitude, his own trust in the Bible leads us at Crossbridge to conclude it's the word of God. Not just partial inspiration, not just sort of natural inspiration. It's the word of God. All right, then, what does this doctrine not imply? What are we not saying when we do say it's the word of God? Well, we're not saying 
everything is easy to understand. Can I get a witness? <laughs> it's, it's a tough book. <coughs> I mean, uh, ask some of the seminarians in our church, because they're taking classes, you know, New Testament survey, Old Testament survey, Greek and Hebrew, and all this stuff. It, it's tough. So we have to devote ourselves to it. Neither are we saying that God dictated the Bible. <coughs> so the human authors, Paul and, and Luke and Isaiah and Moses, the human authors weren't like, uh, you know, dictation machines. No, their, their human personality, their, 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 their style and all of that was uh, present also. We, what we, we hold what is called dual authorship, the little a author and the big A author, and God was able to manage these human authors, the wind in their sails, so he was using their own knowledge and their own you know, personalities and all that. I'll give you one example, okay? Just one example. Jesus said uh, it's easier for a rich man... No, how did this go? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a... It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter heaven. Okay, when Matthew and Mark record that statement, they, they use a normal word for needle, like sewing needle, you know, sewing. It's easier for a camel to go through the... When Luke records it, he uses the word for surgical needle. Why? Because he was a doctor. And so the Lord used his style, his background, his personality. He didn't just dictate. No, he, he was working with these human authors, uh, the wind in their sails. We are not saying that other books have no truth. No, no, no. Other books have truth. Um, your history book and your driver's manual, and I have heard Wikipedia, yeah, have truth, but uh, we're not saying that all truth is in the Bible. We're saying the Bible is all truth. Everything in the Bible is true, but there's other stuff too. As far as I know, the Bible says nothing about cellular mitosis. The Bible says nothing about the Boston Common, to my knowledge. The Bible says nothing about, you know, you fill in the blank. Even religious books like the Koran, when they agree with the Bible, we, we affirm that, yeah, that's true. When they disagree, we go with the Bible. But uh, when, the, when the Koran or other documents affirm truth, we say, yeah, absolutely. For example, the Koran is ambivalent about Jesus' death. There are three surahs. Surah is like chapter. It means chunk, chunk of the Quran, like sort of like a chapter. There are three surahs that say Jesus died. But then Surah 4, 157, says, they did not kill him, nor did they crucify him, but they thought they did. So it has a mixed message, and when we hear, well, they just thought they crucified him, we who believe the Bible say, no, 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 they crucified him. He died, they stuck the, the spear in his side, and, 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 he, and he, uh, he thirsted, and we talked about that at, around Christmas time. He died of uh, cardiac arrest, and 
You know, he really died. So when a religious book like the Koran disagrees with the Bible, we cite here, but uh, there's a lot of commonality, a lot of overlap. So that's uh, part of what we are not saying. Okay. We believe at Crossbridge that the Bible is the word of God. This is a quick flyover, but it shows you some of the reasoning, the, the lines of argumentation for why we hold that position. Now let's conclude, let's wrap it up here by saying, so what? Okay, it's the, okay cool, it's the word of God. What are the implications of that? Here's one implication. When the Bible says, love one another, we hear that as more than just good advice. It is not less than good advice. We hear it as the word of God. When the Bible says, Jesus came to seek and save the lost, we say, Save me. When the Bible says, fear me all the earth, we say, yes, sir. Listening is a sign of attentiveness and a sign of loyalty. Yeah? Have you seen this advertising icon? It was very popular back in the mid part of the 1900s. It stretches all the way back to the early, uh, late 1800s. And this was the advertising, the company icon. This is a painting. And this was the icon of the RCA Victor Record Company. They made records, they made Victrolas. Let me tell you the story behind this painting and this icon. The painting was by an English artist named Francis Barad. And the dog was his dog, and the dog's name was Nipper. Now, the English painter was an early experimenter with early phonographs, and he experimented by recording his voice on cylindrical phonographs. And whenever he would play his voice on one of those early records, Nipper would sit in front of the gramophone with head cocked. I hear my master's voice. Where, where, where is he? Well, then the English painter died. And his brother inherited the phonograph and all the records, and he inherited Nipper. And whenever the brother would play those records of his master's voice, Nipper would listen. You understand what I'm saying? Listening is a sign of loyalty and longing. And when God speaks to us, we listen. We think this book is more than just wish fulfillment. When it says, you are loved, we think that is the word of God. 
And he is extending himself and communicating himself and sending us a message. It's more than just wish fulfillment. It is wish fulfillment. It's more than that. We think it's real. And when the Bible says that the ground shook and the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was ripped from top to bottom, we say, thank you, Lord, for opening the Holy of Holies. And when the Bible says on the third day he rose again from the dead, we believe him and place our trust in this resurrected one. When the Bible says, like in the Apostles' Creed, when the Bible says he is coming back to judge the living and the dead, and the dead in Christ will rise first, when we read that, we comfort one another with those words. In other words, we listen and yield a sign of loyalty and longing. So how's your discipline of listening to the word of God? At the beginning of 2019, I gave you a short sermon. Not many people were here. Maybe you were missing that day. You might want to go back and listen to that on the website. But I said, in 2019, why don't you turn over a new leaf? Talking about the word of God. L. Learn it by heart. Memorize it. E, engage with your eyes and or ears. Listen to the Bible. Read the Bible. L-E-A, assemble together. Discuss it as a group. Discuss it with your small group, your accountability group. Talk about it. It's sort of like group meditation. L-E-A-F. Fill in, fill in, meaning take notes during sermons or as you're reading the scripture yourself. Fill in, listen, yield, absorb this precious word of God. So, my friends, the Bible is the inspired word of God, therefore we listen. Thanks be to God for this gift. And that is the foundation for our series we're calling Questions. Heavenly Father, help us to listen. A sign of loyalty, longing, obedience. Thank you for revealing yourself. Where would we be without your written and inspired word of God? We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.